Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Due to budget cuts, tonight's gourmet food segment on frozen burritos and truck stop hot dogs has been canceled. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. And in tonight's show, hey, we're going back to the history of tobacco. We'll pick up around the 1650s and see how far we get. And then my guest, going back to the summer series, which kind of got bumped around due to scheduling, but we have Carol Burns of Pipeworks and Wilkie, and there's a lot of history there coming up. Uh, music, Segovia, a little classical, and Mailbag and Rant, all that coming up in this episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And hey, talk about the dog days of summer. Well, they are here, and why do they call them the dog days? Because you really don't want to do anything but lazy around. But we did have, we did have a fairly rare blue moon. And uh, talking about a blue moon, I was uh, overheard a couple in line on uh, Saturday night talking about uh, on uh, the day after, on August 1st, is it still a blue moon? No, the blue moon, a full moon only happens once every 28 days. It doesn't carry over for two days. So once in a blue moon is... uh, quite special and the moon was kind of big and beautiful um what have you been doing this summer i'm actually uh, done traveling heavily for a while and uh, just getting ready for a couple of little uh, short trips in fact let me remind you the naspc the columbus pipe show uh coming up and that is on the 27th and 28th i believe let me double check my calendar real quick but yeah uh the 29th of august 29th of august uh all day dublin ohio hope to see you all there and uh kicks off the uh fall or the end of summer and the fall pipe show season for me where you'll see me in uh, nashville new orleans las vegas and columbus so lots of pipe shows coming up hope you can get yourself out to one All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody sit back, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And here we go. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at SmokingPipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, give us a call at one 888 366-0345 and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are smokingpipes.com. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. We are back and uh, want to get, uh, remember last time we left off in uh, in the history of tobacco, we left off around the 1650s. When you start running from the 1650s, remember this was the quote-unquote the great age of the pipe, uh, there's a bunch of health warnings that come out, there's a bunch of... Um, there's a there's a bunch of bans of smoking still going on. Um, 
there's a whole bunch of restrictions that start coming out over the growing of tobacco. Uh, in uh, 1676, heavy taxes levied in tobacco by Virginia Governor Berkeley lead to Bacon's Rebellion, a uh, foretaste of the American Revolution. Uh, then in 1682, back in Virginia again, we have tobacco riots. Uh, 1683, Massachusetts passes the nation's first no-smoking law, and it forbids tobacco outdoors, uh, the smoking of tobacco outdoors because of the fire danger. And soon after Philadelphia, lawmakers approve a ban on smoking cigars on the street. Fines are used to buy firefighting equipment. So, again, we see a whole bunch of this stuff. Uh, now we switch over into the 18th century, which is called uh, Snuff Holds Sway. And just a few little things on Snuff. Uh, King George of England III, his wife was known as Snuffy Charlotte. And considering I live near Charlotte, thought that was funny. In France, Napoleon is said to have used seven pounds of snuff per month. Seven pounds of snuff. Now, keep in mind, snuff is the little granulated nasal snuff. So, he had to be sniffing every day. Uh, in 1705, Virginia Assembly passes a law legalizing lifelong slavery. All servants imported and brought into this country by sea or land who are not Christians in their native country shall be slaves and as such be here bought and sold, notwithstanding a conversation to Christianity afterwards. And it goes on to talk about uh, trading tobacco for slaves. So we have that. In uh, 1724, Pope Benedict XIII learns to smoke and use snuff and repeals the papal bulls against clerical smoking. So there we have at the beginning of all the great uh, church wardens and their pipes and the uh, beginning of a great uh, history of smoking amongst the clergy. Uh, going forward in 1727, tobacco notes become legal tender in Virginia. Yeah, so now we've got more, uh, more formalization of tobacco as a, as a, uh, as a monetary standard. Uh, legislation in Virginia in 1730 begins the Inspection Acts and standardizes and regulates tobacco sales and exports to prevent the export of trash tobacco shipments diluted with leaves and household sweepings, which were debasing the value of Virginia tobacco. Inspection warehouses were empowered to verify weight and kind of tobacco. So now we've got a beginning of a real regulated business going on in Virginia. Uh, over in Europe, in 1753, Swedish botanist Carolus Lin Linnaeus names the plant genus Nicotiana and describes two species, Rustica and Tabacum. So now it's an official plant, because it's not, never an official plant until you have a Latin name after it that nobody ever remembers except for Rustica and Tabacum. Uh, 1755, Virginia tobacco crops fail because of extended drought conditions. So now they're all having to learn how to grow without uh, water. In 1759, for those of us in the United States, George Washington, having gained 17,000 acres of farmland and 286 slaves from his new wife, Martha Dandridge Custis, yeah, he married well, didn't he? Uh, adds to his own 30 slaves, harvests his first tobacco crop. The British market is unimpressed with its quality, and by 1761, Washington is deeply in debt. So now we see the beginnings of why Washington's kind of pissed off at Britain and doesn't mind uh, starting a little revolution. Uh, 1760, business. Pierre Lorillard establishes a manufactory in New York City for processing pipe tobacco, cigars, and snuff. P. Lorillard is the oldest tobacco company in the U.S., and uh, Lorillard is 
still around right now, although they were involved in a couple of deals there recently, so we don't know if the Lorillard name will survive. But more famously, Lorillard makes uh, Newport cigarettes now, completely out of the pipe and tobacco business. In 1762, General Israel Putnam introduces cigar smoking to the U.S. after a British campaign in Cuba. Old Put, as they called him, returns with three donkey loads of Havana cigars, introduces the customers of his Connecticut brewery and tobacco to cigar smoking. Then in uh, December of 1763, Patrick Henry gives closing arguments in a tobacco case known as Parsons' Cause. Historians believe was this speech was the prelude to the American Revolution. On this date, Henry delivered his powerful, persuasive closing arguments. The Anglican clergy had been paid in tobacco until a late 1750s Virginia law, which decreed they should be paid in currency at a fixed rate of two cents a pound, effectively capping salaries. When tobacco began selling for six cents a pound, the clergy protested to King George III, and the law was vetoed by the crown. The old Virginia law was still sometimes adhered to, however, some clergy sued their parishes. Henry defended one one such uh, county in court. He berated England's interference in domestic matters, accused King George of tyranny in overturning colonial law, and convinced the jury to award the plaintiff clergyman only one penny in damages. And lastly... In 1769, Captain James Cook arrives, smoking a pipe. Thought a demon. The natives douse him with water. Uh, We'll pick up with more of this in uh, future episodes. We'll start about the uh, revolution. All right, in just a minute, we'll continue the summer series of Tobacconists with Carol Burns. This is Internet Radio. It's Saturday morning at the crack of dawn. The cool chill of night still clings to the air as the sun slowly rises over the misty surface of the lake. You've waited all week for just this moment. You know that today is going to be epic. Everything is here to ensure perfection, from the nice full cooler packed with your favorite suds to the other empty one, waiting to be filled with piles of freshly caught fish. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out your trusty briar and fill it with your favorite tobacco, aptly named Great Outdoors. It is the perfect smoke for moments like these. A strike, a flash, and your tobacco is lit as the delicious mixture ignites and swirls over your tongue and the deep, rich burleys with a hint of sweet Virginia dance in your mouth. You smile, casting your first line into the water. The slowly widening ripples begin to stir as you feel the first bite of the day tug at your line. Now you know it truly is going to be a good day and a perfect time to enjoy the simple yet unmatchable pleasures of the great outdoors. Great Outdoors is another fine quality pipe tobacco manufactured by Sutliff, America's oldest tobacco company, and is available at fine tobacconists everywhere. Enjoy your perfect day by purchasing a tin today. Hi, my name is Eileen Sachi from MarketingPipes.com. If you attend the major pipe shows or buy pipes on eBay, chances are you know my dad, Hank Sachi, or eBuyer1932. My dad has been a pipe collector for over three decades and a reseller on eBay for the last 12 years. His new website is MarketingPipes.com. At MarketingPipes.com, you will find high-quality, hand-picked pipes. Carvers, join my dad's vast network of collectors across the globe and let my dad promote your brand. Collectors, consign your pipes at affordable commissions or buy your next collectible pipe at marketingpipes.com. Thank you. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and it's not often that I get to talk to a tobacco blender. It's not often that I get to talk to a lady but this is one lady who knows her way around tobacco blending. From Pipeworks and Wilkie, please welcome Carol Burns to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Carol, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about this one. Mm-hmm. So you are in uh, in the great state of Vermont, 
And yep. I would love for you to just give us a brief history of how you got involved in the business because the, the businesses go back 100 years plus, and we know you're not 100 years plus old. So. No, but sometimes I feel like it, but no, <laughs> not yet. Um, me, well, everybody knows the Wilkie Pipe Shop was started in 1872 in Manhattan by Anna and Louisa's grandfather, and then it went to their father, and then the two sisters took it over. My theory is is that in the 40s, with after the war, post-war, and mass transportation, you know, planes and trains and stuff, you know, uh, because when we took over the Wilkie Pipe Shop on Madison Avenue, there were pictures all around uh, above the cupboards. It was, you know, a good-sized store. All these black and white signed signatures from all these famous people from that era, 40s, 50s, 60s, to the sisters, to Anna, to the Wilkie sisters from... Guy Lombardo, Basil Rathbone, you know, Herbert Hoover, Frank Sinatra, you know, all these, wow. all, and because pipe smoking was so big in that time period also, you know, everybody smoked. So, and everybody ended up at the Wilkie Pipe Shop at some time. Now, me, I just happened to come to Vermont in the mid-70s to visit my sister and went dancing one night and danced with Elliot Neckwalter, the pipe maker. <laughs> and so um, one thing led to another, and we ended up you know, in a relationship, and I worked with him on the pipes, and we went to Florida and did a factory, and that didn't work. We went back to New York City, opened our store on 55th Street, and in the process was when the Wilkie sisters had sold the Wilkie store to their managers. Um, I think one of them had passed, and the other one was in a nursing home. And so the managers, like, took it over, and they just weren't running it uh, well um, for, for, for what it was. So we bought the Wilkie store. We, we merged the two together. So then we had the pipe making and the Wilkie blends, which was the best of everything. And that's how that happened. <laughs> So, so you go dancing one night, and then you end up being a pipe maker and a uh, and a tobacco blender. A pipe finisher. Wow. I did all the finishing on all the pipes Elliot made. That was uh, that that must have been quite a night of dancing. Oh, it was a great night of dancing. <laughs> <laughs> there were lots of nights of dancing. <laughs> So, and when you took yeah. over the Wilkie Pipe Shop, it had all this history in it and all these celebrities that had been through there? Yes, all the pictures. We, we still, I think Elliot has uh, them still. Um, the, the Wilkie jars we had forever that were, uh, if you see an old photo, I have one on my website of Anna in the store. I don't remember now if, but where they had the Wilkie um painted on them and then the blend number and those were in the store the mahogany cabinets that were custom blend uh, made for that store 400 madison avenue you know just yeah all the history all the old uh formulas and recipes even the ones that were made out of house there were certain ones that were made because all of the flavoring was done in the casing and the processing it wasn't you know as as much a blend um yeah so, so that it was all quite, in, and it was all you know typed in, and then put into a little loose leaf book. That had to be uh, something incredible to see. Now, you took all those when you moved to Vermont. You took all the blend, all the recipes with you, and you're continuing to make them in the same same style as they've been made for as long as yes. anyone can remember. As, as yeah, for as long as the recipes for I mean because the handwriting on the recipes is not mine, <laughs> so, so you know they're all on. Well, there's a book that you keep in you know like a safe place, and then there's you know cards that were made over the years, little three by five cards, you know with the blends broken down to how many because with the Wilkie store, um, you know some some of the blends were were. Um, the recipes were done in 100-pound batches, you know, other ones in smaller batches. But, um, yeah, so that, then, you know, then you had the breakdown if you wanted to do 50, 40, 20, 10, whatever. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
Now, what I believe is that, you know, over the years, the tobaccos change. You know, so the burleys that they used in the 1930s and 40s, I don't know, are going to be the same burleys that I have. But basically, you just go for the highest quality that's available on the market. I was going to say, are there some blends that you had to, over time, stop making because you couldn't get either the right quality or the right uh, or the right component for them? Yes. Uh, well, yeah. Um, because some of them, there was there used to be tobaccos, you know, Maryland and uh, Carolina and straight Cavendish, and all, all of those um, not so popular or not so well known basic blending tobaccos have been discontinued by by the blenders you know and that and and you have things like with you know when lane got bought up by some corporation they stopped selling blending tobaccos you know latakia perique straight burley straight virginia because you know they just looked at the numbers and captain black one q bca made the money so they eliminated um you know, the basic blending tobaccos, which for me is such an insult because you you can't be a pipe shop and carry one cube. You have to have everything else. So therefore then if the shop closes, they're not going to order the one cube anymore because they couldn't get the Latakia. But, I mean, there's other sources, but still it was just kind of to me a, a, one of those big corporate decisions that don't make sense. So... Take us, uh, if you don't mind, take us through a uh, a couple of your blends and what are some of the most complicated mixtures that you have? Uh, the 191, the honey vanilla, um, the best-selling aromatic that I have because you start with uh, a Virginia and a Burley and two black Cavendishes, one flavored, one not, blend those together, add honey and vanilla powder, and that's your base. And then you add in uh, two other black Cavendishes. So you're basically talking about like seven different tobaccos in the blend. With the Englishes, you can, they'll have between three and six or seven, you know, because there used to be two different Virginias, a, a shag and a cube cut, and some of the blends ask for each of those, but you can't get the cube cut anymore. So that and the Burley and then Latakia and Perique and then sometimes Turkish. And for me, what I do, uh, well, when I'm blending, I take every stem out that I see. A Latakia always has a lot of stems. So I just spend a lot of time listening to books on tape pulling stems out of the Latakia and the blend. And um, the Turkish is a very fine shag cut, but it's very long, so it clumps, so I pull all those apart so they spread out evenly in the blend. And certain periques are like that, too. Some are granulated and some are long shaggy. So so you're doing all the stuff for your customers that I do to the tobaccos that I smoke personally, which is dump them out and unclump anything that might be stuck together, pull out the stems and... You're doing that in advance, and uh, that's got to cost you some money, too. Well, it's time, because I do it. I do everything, right? I take wow. the orders. I process the orders. I package the orders. I blend the tobacco. I ship the orders. I take them to the post office. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. So it's time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and to me, it's just all about your eyes, you know, and I have really good eyes from the pipe finishing, you know, always having to find all the little specks and stuff, but... You know, so you're blending so that when you're done blending, you can't just toss it around a little bit. You have to keep tossing it gently so you're not breaking the tobacco, but so that it's uniform. So especially with, like, an English blend, you don't want somebody to take a clump out of their pouch and end up with a lot of Latakia or Perique, you know, that it's not a, you know, an even, an even blend where, you, ha- you know, they have the Virginia and the Burley in there, too. For every small bowlful, think about it, how consistent it has to be blended in so as i add each tobacco i i toss and i turn them and you till it's uniform and then i add another one and then you do it again and again and until it's all done and then all the colors look right the darks and the lights and sometimes it's just so pretty you know virginias are very pretty i think 
is is there a blend that you don't like working with because it's because of the odor or or because of the texture of it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maple. Is it really sticky? The maple blend, you know, because of the topping. Yeah. You know, it's quite strong, and I use, I wear gloves, but it just um, it it stays with me for a while. And rum is hard too, but it's not as cloying. You know, it's just quite it's quite strong. You know, so you just. So it's best if when I can blend it in the summer, which I can't. Of course, I have to blend it all year round, you know. But up here in Vermont, it's very cold to open the door to, you know, to air out the little room that I work in. So, um, you know, but I, the the maple is the one that I, not my, not my, I, the rum, the rum one I like because I like the end result. Yeah. You know, and I like the history of the 515. You know the basil rathbone, and even you know, and even when we added in the rum cake, you know, and you know, and kind of, I don't want to say dilute it, but sweetened it a little bit with some black Cavendish. So it, you know, but the rum cake comes from the 515 is the base. So, and and it's a nice, uh, it's a very simple blend, and it looks good, and it has a lot, a lot of Virginia in it, and you know, but. But there are people that I have customers who have been smoking the 515. Um, customer Hugh, he's mm, he's quite up there. I can tell by their voices, and um, he just doesn't even say the blend anymore. He just says, "Hi, Carol, it's Hugh, <laughs> <laughs> and could you send me two pounds of what is it?" I said, "Oh, 515." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he's been smoking the same thing since. We took over the Wilkie store in 83, and before that, he was smoking it. So, so, there are, so there are a lot of customers like that, the older customers who went into the Wilkie store at some time in their younger years, maybe in college, you know, or in business in their 20s and 30s, went into the Wilkie store, talked to the sisters, asked for a blend, they gave them a blend, and... They've been smoking it ever since, you know, every month, every two months, they get a pound or two. So those are my favorites. Plus, and, I know them, you know, I know them. And that's quite a testimonial to the quality of the blend and to you as well for being able to keep them consistently happy for 30 plus years. Right, right. Every once in a while, I have somebody who had quit smoking and come back. Yeah, I can't. Or, I, or, you know, they, you know, might have moved and went to another shop, and then all of a sudden, you know, they could be online, and they see the Wilkie, and they call up, and they'll ask for their old blend. I mean, sometimes they still have them on record, but generally not, you know. But, I mean, because there's always a lot of custom blending done by the Wilkie sisters, and we did it also for customers, but then after they disappear for, you know, a certain amount of years, you just kind of, you know, keep the information. But some of them will say... You know that you know they hadn't smoked the blend in ten or twenty years, and then they order it, and then they'll come back and say, you know, I don't think it's the same. Well, <laughs> you know, and I go, well, you know, I mean, your taste buds are one thing, your memory is something else, and your base tobaccos probably have changed over that time period. You know, the batch of Burley that was harvested and that I'm using now may not be the same as the one that was used in the blend twenty years ago, but. I don't have control over that, but as far as the recipe goes, I do. So it's just, so you just kind of coddle them and explain things, and they go, okay. You know, it's just like people calling me all the time trying to reproduce um, Balkan Sabrini. And I, and I have to explain, because there was a lot of that going on for a while, and I explained, even if I had the recipe... I can't duplicate it because I don't know where they got their base tobaccos, their blending tobaccos, and all of that is a factor. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk through some of these Wilkie blends and spend more time with Carol, so stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. At Cornell & Deal, we think the best things in life are better with age, and we are passionate about creating the best possible pipe tobacco available. Fueled by this passion, we introduced the Cellar Series, a collection of blends like no other. 
While the blends in this series are ready to smoke now, each one has been meticulously designed to optimize depth and complexity as the tobacco ages in the tin. Currently, the cellar series is comprised of Oak Alley, Chenet's Cake, Joie de Vivre, Old Grove, and Bourbon Blue, but we will be unveiling new additions to this very special series as time goes on. Pick up a tin to smoke now and save a few for later enjoyment so that you can experience all the richness and subtlety each blend will reveal through the years. Cornell and Deal's Cellar Series. The secret ingredient is time. Contact your local or online retailer for information. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Carol Burns, and the website is vtpipes.com, which I'm assuming is short for vermontpipes.com. But, Carol, take us through this. We've talked about 515 as one of your more popular aromatics. Um, A lot of my listeners like English blends or heavy Latakia blends. I can't stand them personally, but... Which English blends would you suggest to somebody who's new to new to trying your stuff? Well, it's not like I don't get that question every week. But <laughs> um, first, I ask them how much um, how much they've been smoking English blends, Latakia blends, you know, and 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 what to what degree of you know Latakia? Because I I break them down into uh, mild. Uh, medium and full or heavy. So if somebody just wants to try a Latakia blend with just, you know, like a hint of it, then I ask them if they want a, you know, straight Latakia blend, which I would say uh, number 72, or do they want something that was, you know, like the hybrid, like, you know, an aromatic uh, English, which is uh, number 13, which is the sister blend of 72. They're exactly the same, except for 13 has the Royal Scott in it. Number five would be a lighter one. Number 24, a little bit fuller, but they both have a little Latakia. And 193 has a base of the 72, but then it's uh, the fermented black Cavendish is added to it. So that's for light blends. When you're going into medium blends, I'm looking at my shelves in my brain. Um, <laughs> number 10 is a medium blend with some Orientals, Perique and Latakia. And probably 24 should probably be in the more medium, so it has a little more Latakia than the other ones. And full blends was seemed to be um, the Wilkie specialty. Really? 478 hi-hat have the most Latakia, and 524 has a good amount of Latakia, and then it has the Turkish, but I'm sure that I think 400 also has some, but not as much. And then there's uh, 622 and Best Make. They're also English blends, but they're maybe they would be in the medium range. I, if I don't have the recipes in front of me, I can't remember all the percentages. But I know that uh, Latakia is 50%. 400 is probably around 50%. So that's a lot of Latakia. Perique wow. is always much less, much less than the Latakia in a blend. So... But the, and those are all the originals. And when we were talking before, I was talking about the numbers of the blends. And my theory is is that they're people's birthdays within the Wilkie family. Because 400 is from 400 Madison Avenue, 78 is from 78 VC Street, one of the earlier locations. And I have a blend that I'll reintroduce someday, uh, 531, and that was Edwin Wilkie's birthday. So maybe huh. 524 and 622 are Anna and Louisa's birthdays, but I don't I I don't know yet. But somebody's going to look it up for me. So if there's any uh, investigating uh, genealogists out there, they could uh, they could give you a, give you a little hand with that and find out right to find out when they were. I have the years I think that they were born, but not 
that months and dates. So. Mm-hmm. I still like the idea of maybe knowing that Basil Rathbone, when he was playing Sherlock Holmes, was smoking five fifteen and in his pipe while he was on the on the set. And many years later, when we were in Elliot and I were in Southern Vermont. Uh, we would get called on to local little small playhouses if they were doing mysteries, and we would, you know, give them, you know, loan them, you know, pipes, whatever they needed for, for the play. And, of course, we got tickets, which was fun. But uh, Weston Playhouse had uh, Christopher Lloyd playing Sherlock Holmes at the Weston Playhouse, so we brought over a big calabash, the 515, and we put it in a tin with, you know, uh, 515 on it, and we told him it was, uh, had been uh, made for Basil Rathbone, and he just absolutely loved it, and believe it or not, it was a time when you could actually smoke on the stage, and he <laughs> did, and he enjoyed it, so that was pretty fun, though, that, that he was into it so much. Uh, and we're talking the same Christopher Lloyd that went on to uh, Taxi and Back to the Future and a couple other... This was um, it w- this wasn't that long ago. It was because his brother is, I think, owner or owns a town or something. <laughs> so maybe they were both born and raised there or something. But that's where his brother lives. So he comes. He would come back sometimes and and do plays in the summer, um, you know, for him or for vacation or for fun or whatever. But yeah, that's what it was. Wow. It was a family connection. So it was. It, I don't remember now if it was before or after Back to the Future. But it's the same guy. Same. Yeah, 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 because it was the late 80s, because we were in Vermont, so. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. for, for those of us that are uh, Virginia and Virginia Perique lovers, uh, can you oh, suggest geez, a blend or two? No. Um, actually, the, uh, the 531 that I will reintroduce, because I do have requests for that, I just haven't taken the time to work it out, you know, the percentages and stuff, because I know there are people. I've had that request. <clears throat> so I, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I should try and get to that this week and do that. And, I, and I'm trying to remember, I'm pretty sure the 531 is, uh, is a, a potential. It, it may have Burley, too. It may be Virginia, Burley, and Paris, but I'll, I'll look into that. And, no, and I don't have one, and... I should. And what about uh, what about some of the other aromatics that uh, that do well for you? Well, the rum cake, <clears throat> which is a takeoff because it's it's milder than the five fifteen. So you know, I think uh, newer smokers or the sweeter smokers, you know, um, that's it. The one ninety one, you know, you just you can't beat it. Uh, it's also good for English smokers who want to have a blend that's more social because uh, people, uh, non-smokers around them uh, prefer the, the aroma of aromatics to Englishes. I mean, I don't, but, you know, other people do. So, but because it's such a complex blend, it works for them, even though it's, you know, it's an aromatic, but it's not, uh, it's not a cherry or, you know, something that was hard. Maple, people love the maple, especially the concept of Vermont maple. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, you and ought to have. The other 190s are. The Wilkie sisters did a whole 190 series, and I have about four, I guess. One, two, three, four. Yeah, I have four, five of them uh, back up. Um, and those are just different Wilkie blends with the. Uh, it's called Fermented Black Cavendish FBC, and that was always a black Cavendish that was made for the Wilkie shop. It's not, it's not like uh, BCA. There's some aroma, some you know aromatic in there, but it's um, unique. So, um, yeah, piqued my I interest. Like the cherry, but yeah. Uh, piqued my interest when it said ar- an aromatic toasted black Cavendish, because uh, <clears throat> because I have the straight black Cavendish is not sweet, you know, and then you have the sweetened one, and then this one's right in the middle. And besides all the uh, tobaccos on the website, you also have a handful, well, much more than a handful of estate pipes and stuff like that. I'm, I'm assuming you A handful? You're... I wish... Oh, <laughs> I have hundreds. And... <laughs> they, they, they just keep co- coming. <laughs> <laughs> People are just constantly emailing me and calling me and saying, you know, 
I'm selling, you know, this collection or my husband died or, you know, and I, I never want to say no, but I just have so many pipes. <laughs> and I'm are overwhelmed. You, are you doing all the restoration on them? Yes. <laughs> That's why I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> and I'm very particular, you know. I mean, I worked with Elliot for years. Yeah. He was very particular about finishing pipes. And, you know, even though these are, you know, I mean, pre-owned and smoked, but still in my mind and, you know, from what I know, when they leave my shop, you know that they, well, it depends on how how they were treated by the previous owners, but, you know, most of them, they just look brandy new. <laughs> you know, I just, you know, you just clean them all out inside and out and, you know, buff up those stems and scrape it out and make them shine. You know, they look good. They do. And I refurbish uh, customers' pipes, too. Uh, Ooh, so, I just wish that they wouldn't let them go so long before they sent them to me. <laughs> so if I needed to have some pipes cleaned up, I could send them up to you. You could. I don't do it quickly. <laughs> Not my favorite job, but I do it. So let me ask Sometimes you this. Sometimes when you're in Vermont and it's summertime, it's much nicer to be out in the yard than it is in the shop cleaning pipes. So... In the winter is a perfect time to do it. Yeah, I was going to say, I would imagine you get a lot more work done during the winter time than you do during the summer. Pretty well, pretty well, yeah. Uh, in your free time, what do you what what else do you enjoy doing besides uh, besides? It sounds like just working all the time. No, I'm really not working that much. You know, I've got it down. I'm like so good at it. It's you know, and <clears throat> you know, and as I said, that's you know. Come and go, and um, what do you do when you're in Vermont? You be outside, you go for walks, you garden, you know, you just kind of in, in, in the summer. I'm not a winter person, so I, some, every winter I sit there and scratch my head and say, What are you doing here? <laughs> so I don't ski or anything, and it's just cold. So, um, but in the summer, you just want to be outside as much as possible and, yeah. and enjoy those mountain views. Yeah, right. You know, I, even though I'm in the, the city, you know, I'm in the capital of Vermont, but that's a population of 8,000, so, you know, it's not anything. But there's still lots of trees around and green, and it's lovely. It's very lovely. I'll tell my Montpelier story, which was I, I drove in there to go visit a retailer or two, and there was no parking available at all because the legislature was in session that week. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, it's terrible. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of them, you know. Uh, yeah, and, and, it, and well, in the summer you have tourists, and, you know, in the winter we have the legislators. Uh, parking is an issue in Montpelier. It always has been. But once you, I mean, for you it would be really hard, but, you know, for... Uh, the people who live here, you you find spots. You just learn, you know. You just have to walk a couple of blocks. Carol, we'll wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your okay. mind. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, yes. What is your favorite pipe? Oh, Elliot's pipes. Elliot's pipes are the most beautiful pipes. You know, I didn't know that when I worked on them. <clears throat> When I was in Vermont, but when we went to New York and then I saw the pipes and we do the shows, Elliot's pipes were always elegant. And they're I all... have a whole collection of them, a special collection on the website, the, the Steibel collection. I think it's number three, special collection three. And I'm just amazed at our work, you know, the, the grains, the finishing, the shapes. They're just beautiful. And what's your favorite tobacco? I would say 72 and the 191. Why those two? Well, because the 72 is a mild English, you know, so it's not a, a you know, a overpowerful Latakia blend. And the 191 is, just, you know, just also the complicated blend that I said before, but uh, aromatic and a little bit lighter. You know, different smokes for different times. And what is your favorite drink? Well, basically red wine. Or, and sometimes if I do a cocktail, I've discovered uh, sidecars. Ooh, a classic. Oh, yeah, they're fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> it is. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Books and movies. Music for me is dancing. So unless I'm knitting, then I like some classical music sometimes. But um, I books and movies and black and white movies I'm hooked on forever. <laughs> I still watch old Sherlock Holmes movies. And the last question, which may be the hardest one for you, uh, uh, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory? Well, the only one I can actually think of is like we ha we got taped for a, uh, I don't know you uh, some people may remember they used to do a New York Minute down in Manhattan, and they would like do a business. Well, there was a company that did it for the Japanese uh, media, and they came and did our store. So I would think that with there was a there was a shot of Elliot and I sitting on the stoop on the store, at the store on 55th Street, smoking pipes. And this woman um, who had been interviewing us was, she was American, but she was, I think, she, uh, but she was speaking Japanese, like, really fast. But it was, it was just kind of a funny, and, and every once in a while I, I like to watch that little minute thing, and it, it was just fun. We had such a grand time when we were in New York doing the stores. You know, so that was just because actually I was blinking because smoke got in my eyes. But <laughs> it was just, it was more of a funny um, smoking moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Carol, thank you very much. Everybody, make sure and check out the website. It's vtpipes.com. Lots of good stuff to look through and uh, a lot of really good blends. And so. give me a call anytime if you have any questions. Thanks again for your time and thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. Craftsmanship, history, tradition. These are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company, and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. This is Internet Radio. We are back and uh, do make sure and check out uh, Carol's website vtpipes.com. She's even got an offer in there for some free old uh, old Wilkie labels with any purchase and they're, they're really cool looking things. All right, for music, in a little bit of a classical mood, and thought nothing would be better than a little Segovia, but this is Segovia doing Handel. It's Handel Suite Number 4 in D minor, originally done for a harpsichord, but uh, you just have to enjoy this and check it out. It's perfect for a warm summer evening.
I do believe that that is a perfect example of why Andre Segovia is a master on the classical guitar. Three little words. You got mail. In the mailbag, there is a brand new pipe club forming in St. Petersburg, Florida. And remember, if you are looking for a pipe club or want to start one, go to pipesmagazine.com, head to the forums, click on pipe clubs, and you'll see a whole bunch of listings there and a bunch of places to go to find one or great place to announce that you've started one. All right, going back to last week's show with Tom Palmer, uh, Bubblehead Diver writes, bought two Peterson pipes about four years ago. One had a horrible whistle in the draw, and the other would not pass a cleaner to the bowl. The cost to ship them to Ireland for repair was nuts. Sold them on eBay and have not found a reason to buy another Peterson. I would hope the interview discusses their quality control. Uh, discussing quality control with a, another manufacturer is not something that I do openly. However, you can also go back to the places that you bought them. You know, let the retailer that you bought them from help you out with dealing with them. As with any good quality manufacturer, I'm sure Peterson takes care of their retailers. Uh, on the other hand, you might have just gotten a, a couple of weird ones, but hey, make sure and go back to the retailer and talk to them. Uh, J.A.H. 76 writes, uh, let's ask him if he still beats his wife too. Just kidding. I think that's in response to Bubblehead Diver. Um, honestly, I haven't heard any interview, uh, take a run at the guests. No, I'm not going to take any runs at the guests. I'll take a run at myself because I'm the only one I can catch. Um, I realize that a lot of people have reported QC issues the last couple of years and seem to remember Mr. Palmer talking about addressing them if they have been or not is a completely different subject. Uh, I think the best approach to take, and it seems like you have, is to take your wallet elsewhere. I think my newest Pete was from the 90s, and it's been an okay smoker, but regulated to vacation pipe. Uh, Let me interject here. On a vacation... I want to take my best pipes with me. I want to take the best pipes that I have for the most relaxing time, not a pipe that may not be smoking well for me. Uh, He goes on to write, I keep looking at some of the Sherlock Holmes lines, but I'm so cheap I wade in the shallow $25 estate pool where I can snag a nice Hilson or poor other soul that needs a cleanup and a new home. I'm looking forward to the interview overall. Peterson is so iconic for me, I can still recall my grandfather's 315 and him letting me pretend to smoke it as a kid. Uh, P. Russ writes, another solid show, Brian. Thanks for bringing it to us and recording it on some of your rare downtime. I enjoyed the interview with Tom Palmer. He sounds like an engaged business owner with passion for what he does. On trade shows, falling attendance and the surge of internet sales and new media eroding the need for person-to-person contact at a trade show, I think the onus is on the association organization to generate industry support to create value for attendees and prove return on investment for the businesses who both attend and who both who booth and attend trade shows like the IPCPR. Event organizers who fail to recognize this will watch, uh, will watch their shows diminish until they are gone. The auto industry figured this out by opening its doors to the public. The Specialty Coffee Association did the same and also expanded their educational industry exploratory workshop and training opportunities as well as adding a competition component. It strikes me that some of these learnings could be translated to the IPCPR to generate noise, energy, and foot traffic during the event. It wouldn't be the same event as it always has been, but it might just get the boost it needs to stay relevant and to become something more like the largest gathering of cigar and pipe smokers in North America, if they build the right programming. Uh, Two cents in the bucket, Pat. Pat, you're right. You're right. If uh, if they if the organizers make it interesting and exciting, the people will come and the exhibitors will put up booths. It's that simple. Uh, the John Seiler report from last week. John writes, "Hi Brian, the IPCPR show has to be heaven for a pipe smoker. Let me let me clear that up. Chicago pipe show is heaven for a pipe smoker. The IPCPR is heaven for a cigar smoker." 
Uh, John goes on to write, I'm glad you got the room that you wanted. It is a good question if the internet has superseded trade shows. To me, it was it will always be the RTDA show. Uh, Tom Palmer, as owner and directing manager, has done a great job at Peterson. I'm not a fan of the system pipe nor the P-Lip. I have several Peterson pipes in my collection, all with fishtail stems. They are mainly from the Sherlock Holmes series. Music, William C. Green, New Orleans. A quarter for gasoline will not get you very far today. It must be an older song. Yeah, it is. And uh, Rant, what can I say? I agree. Good show. Uh, Rick Newcomb writes in, Tom Palmer is such a nice man and obviously a competent entrepreneur since Peterson is going as strong as ever. I can attest to the veracity of the story about the man with the Peterson logo tattooed on his calf because I was there. I wrote about this in Search of Pipe Dreams, page 149. Uh, Brian did a great job interviewing Tom, as always, and now I'm going to sit back, relax, and smoke a P-Lip Sherlock Holmes pipe, which I find a wonderful change of pace periodically. Uh, Casey Ghost writes, another great show. It is possible that the IPCPR glory days are in the rearview mirror. It is something that is coming to all trade shows. Love the Tom Palmer interview. He just came across as a man of integrity with deep roots to Ireland. My great-grandparents came to America from the old sod. Apparently, Peterson offers some rather high-end pipes that are very well thought of amongst aficionados. Music was okay. Darn it, I can't hit 100% with Dan. Uh, Exercising is a good thing, and if you can figure out a way to walk and smoke a pipe, good on you. I can't do that, so I'd have to take a decent cigar. Sadly, it may not be long before you can't smoke outside except on your own property. You are correct. Uh, and let me sum up one thing and say that I've known, Paul, uh, I've known Tom Palmer for years and years and years, and he is definitely a man of his word, except I believe he owes me a trip to Dublin, and he's, uh, I haven't had that one yet. But I will say that uh, you know Peterson must be doing something right, because... Everywhere you look, every store's got Peterson Pipes and has a great selection of them. All right, got any questions, comments, post them on the forums or the Pipes Magazine radio show page. Like the radio show on Facebook. And in just a minute, I've got a shout-out rave for two, two different places that you'd never think I'd rave about. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cupofjoes.com. Cupofjoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. Cupofjoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly pipes. Check out their remodeled website at cupofjoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook. Cupofjoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. I pick on the French people and I don't exactly enjoy shopping at Target, but to the French I say bravo to the French tobacconists that marched on, marched on the health ministry, they 
protesting, they're protesting, yes, protesting the packaging laws and the excessive taxation on tobacco products. What have they done to protest? Well, they started by covering up all the photo speeding uh, vans that the French government puts out around to take pictures of speeders and traffic light violators. So the French government couldn't get their money. And that was to symbolize the French government's new tobacco packaging laws to cover up the product. And then the next day, about a hundred of them marched on the ministry and at 6.30 in the morning dumped thousands of pounds of carrots at the front gate so that the ministry couldn't open the gate. Why did they use the carrots? Because the carrots resemble the same sign that the uh, that the tobacconists have to show on the front door in France. So, support your French tobacconists, and I say bravo to them. Another bravo to the Target retail stores. They have a line of t-shirts featuring Albert Einstein, and on every one of them, he is smoking his pipe. Yes, you can get a men's Albert Einstein shirt. There's three or four different styles, and they retail for $12.99 for a wonderful t-shirt with Einstein sitting and smoking his pipe. So I'd say a bravo to Target for showing Albert Einstein actually doing what he really did, which was sit back and think and smoke his pipe. So there you go. A little rave to the French and a rave to Target all in one shot. And I never thought I would do that. All right, please make sure and uh, share the Pipes Magazine radio show with all your pipe-smoking friends. Uh, if you've gotten behind, all the all the episodes are still available on PipesMagazine.com. You can go back and ca- get caught up, especially in these wonderful, lazy dog days of summer. Nothing better than to sit back and relax with a pipe on a cool evening or on a summer evening and listen to the Pipes Magazine radio show. I want to thank Carol for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and until next time. About the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Died made you unstuck.